Good evening and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast, The Ides of March. Well, the episode's coming out after The Ides of March. We're recording on The Ides of March. Why The Ides of March? I've always wondered why they call it that. What does the word itself mean? It's the 15th, for those that don't know. It's when Caesar died, when Brutus stabbed him in the back at 2 Brute. Spoiler alert. Even you, Brutus. Is that what it means? Yeah. Okay. I thought it was just, it's you. <laughs> no, <laughs> Look, even you? Like, come on, man. All these other people stabbed me, and then even you had to stab me? Come on. Right. So he, that was his last words. Who throws a shoe, honestly? Remember that? Austin Powers. We're not going to talk about Austin Powers or Julius Caesar. We are going to talk about a lot of other things. I am Illegal86. I am joined by Tactic, who you've already heard from. Hi. Nerd Bomber is here somewhere. Hello. Oh, that was creepy. Can I? Oh, no, I don't like that. No, you you have to keep it. You have to keep it. I'm just going to power through it. <laughs> Nerd Bomber is here, I guess. And we're going to talk about Tinder today. Tinder's still going on, even in, in, the, in pandemic times. We're going to talk about Avatar. Avatar, still going on, apparently. I don't think any of us are happy about it to be honest, but we're going to talk about it. You'll see why. And then we're going to talk about NFTs. If you don't know what NFTs are, we barely do as well, but they're a thing. And after weeks of of discussion, we feel like we should dip our toes into that. So we'll get to that techno news later, but let's first talk about Avatar. I want to get this out of the way because I'm not excited about it. I'm not excited about this either. Avatar is overrated. Okay. Is it it fair to say, Tactic, you're you're quiet, so I'm going to ask you, is it fair to say it is the official opinion and stance of online warriors that no. avatar is overrated you're, no. okay you're already pushing back i think it has a place in the movie sphere it's it's a visually stunning cgi masterpiece and sometimes that's just what you're in the mood for only movie i've ever seen in 3d by the way that's really like tactic you said it has a place that is its place for me i experimented with 3D in theaters one time, saw Avatar and thought, and I will admit, you're right, visually stunning. I thought 3D is never going to get better than that. It's never going to be more you, important to see you a movie missed 3D. Out. Gravity in 3D with Sandra Bullock floating in space. That was actually really legit in 3D. I'll tell you, I haven't even seen Gravity in 2D. It was not, it, like, mm, I don't want to say it was a terrible movie, but it wasn't like a great movie. The 3D was the thing that made that movie. I, w- I would be in it for the clone, to be honest with you. Love the clone. Guys, we're talking about Avatar because Avatar is about to break the current all-time box office record, worldwide box office champion. That title is currently held, of course, by Avengers Endgame. Although at the time of this of the release of this, it sounds like Avatar will have once again passed it because it's being re-released, which again cheating I mean, not uh, yeah okay re-release endgame next year and we could just do this we can just they each get a year and they just go back and forth until we're all dead see that's the thing so i don't, don't really have that much against avatar i think people love it, it like tactic said technical achievements all of that great stuff but when we're getting into the game of breaking records it shouldn't be oh i re-released it a year five years however long ago that originally came out even it feels like forever ago like you shouldn't be able to re-release it and have it count towards your opening weekend records it just it shouldn't it shouldn't count i'm sorry so it's not it's not opening weekend but overall it's total overall box office but like it should be a separate release like oh then we should start comparing the re-release box office records you know what i mean it should be a separate category yeah like this movie was great enough that it was released a second time and racked up x amount of dollars but it shouldn't count towards the original and you know here's what happened here's what i think happened james cameron sitting in his office i don't know diddling a fiddle who knows what he does and some big shot producer walks in and says hey man 
how's Avatar 2 coming? And he says, it's not ready. I have to hangle the Kringle, you know, do something. What are these sayings? I love them. And the preacher says, well, you said we'd have it by now. We need, we need the money. And he says, just give him Avatar again. Those idiots will eat it up. I guarantee you James Cameron calls us idiots. I mean, There's he's not wrong. No I, I can go mind. for some ponytail fun. What are these sayings? I don't know what that one means at all. You're, you're saying you That's would how they get the busy movie? in the Avatar. They, they, they link their ponytails. Oh. Wait, really? So I, I have to say. I don't remember that. I have not watched the full movie. This will decredit that's everything you're, that I'm saying. You're no, not I have missing not, out. I have not watched the full movie. I actually... So when I watched it, it was like it came out on DVD and I got together with asleep. a bunch of friends and I fell asleep. Yeah. yeah. You know why? Do you know why you fell asleep? Because it wasn't as breathtaking on like, man, what was it? Like a 32-inch TV at the time. Okay, <laughs> so well, that's... So far yeah. away. That's pretty damning. But like it's... Even on the big screen, I will, I will tell you right now, I, I remember, I'm like, it's, it's story time. Okay. It's, we have time. It's really in the episode. I went to see Avatar with my second girlfriend and I went on a double date. It was a situation where you're okay. Have you ever gone on a, du- this is a side shoot. I don't care. You and Tactic, it's pr- publicly known at this point on, by the podcast, Nerd Bomber. You and Tactic are, are an item. I'm a, the third wheel on the tricycle. Dur- throughout, a beautiful tricycle. Throughout you and, and Tactic's tenure as a couple. Have you ever thought to yourself, like, Nerd Bomber, have you had a friend who's a girl and not, not to be heteronormative, but you have a friend who's a girl and Tactic has a friend that's a guy and you but you both put your heads together and say, yes, absolutely. We're going to put them together and we're going to go on a double date and it's going to it's going to be magical. Have you ever tried to do that? We did. And it wasn't magical. It was actually really right. Bad. It never is. That's not the that's not the point. It's the point is that you, you try. Right. And me and my girlfriend at the time, we tried with my best friend and her best friend actually it was the best it was there it's just high stakes this was like if they become an item we're gonna be the four it's gonna it's the four amigos for the rest for the rest of our lives basically and so we did that and we went to see avatar in 3d and look they they broke up i don't even know if they were ever together they broke up because of avatar no 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 that was (laughs) relax that was the first thing that we ever try we i see i don't i don't know if they knew it was a date or if it was one of those things where we were like let's oh, trick you tricked them. them you know what i mean i don't remember but this is why i remember my avatar experience so vividly is because th- it was watching a movie in theaters with the added zhuzh of like okay we're we're playing matchmaker in the most high stakes way possible it didn't work out and to that matter avatar also i feel like didn't really work out the 3d was amazing it was great to see but for those that don't know, if you need to know what the story is, just go read the back of the VHS of Pocahontas and you'll know what the story of Avatar is. It's just Pocahontas in space. That's all it is. Visually stunning, a technical achievement, no doubt. I'm over it. I think culturally we should all agree to be over it. I Maybe feel like they're just trying it. to wet our whistles for Avatar 2. Like, hey guys, remember this was a thing you liked and then we're going to be like, oh yeah, let's go see the second one. See, I feel like it was a cultural zeitgeist though. Like everybody talks about it. Like I felt so out of the loop because I would have to stand at the water cooler, the proverbial water cooler and nod my head and be like, oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, ponytails. I don't know what he's saying. (laughs) Pretty much. And, 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 you know, Endgame was kind of the same thing, maybe even a bigger, I mean, it was monetarily speaking, at least a bigger thing than Avatar was. But I do remember, and I'm sure that's almost certainly why I saw it because I didn't want to be on the outside of some essentially all-encompassing societal conversation but man did he fleece us i feel i mean yeah it, it's the visuals but like it's still it's not a very good 
movie and I don't even care about the second one, why would I care about the first one? Well, I don't, my whistle isn't going to be wet by this. If you guys ever listen to Bill Burr's podcast, shout out to another podcast, the Bill Burr podcast. He just complains for like two hours. It's, and there's no one else. It's just him. It's it sounds like, like reading Bill Burr. fan mail. It's very Bill Burr. I gotta be honest, it's not great. Shout out to Bill Burr. <laughs> I listened to your podcast one time. You complained for like two hours. And I was like, man, now I just feel like grumpier and like it wasn't enjoyable. I feel like that. So we should maybe move on. But I, let's talk about re-releases for a second because we, we touched on that briefly. What are the rules? What are the rules? I mean, and we can put this in another context too. I guess I wouldn't call the Justice League Snyder Cut a re-release, but it feels awfully close to that. Do you consider those to be the same thing? I would say no. But yeah, though, I feel like the Snyder Cut is so different. I mean, look at the runtime of the quote unquote movie. It's more, I guess now they broke it up into like series type parts, but it's really just a movie. But like the runtime on that thing, it's not even close to the same. And they're not going to count it as a net box office. They're going to look at it as two different movies. They were, and lest we forget, by the way, they, I believe, re-released Endgame. Did they not? They did that too, because I remember we grumbled about that when they did that. We said, stop cheating. Well, so like my personal opinion here is like, I don't know if you guys have like cheap movie theaters around you, but, and I guess that was directed more so at the listeners, because I know we've all been to cheap movie theaters and like drive-ins and stuff like that. If we're going to start counting that like re-releases and box office totals, then every time a classic beloved Christmas movie gets run at some local theater, count it up, add it in, you know, like where is the line drawn? I just hate, like, I feel like those records should be the original run of the movie because otherwise you don't have a good benchmark to compare these movies. And I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it really doesn't matter. Like who, besides the people who are profiting off of these movies, who really cares if you like the movie, how much it made at the box office, but like Still. There should there should be a, a separate category. There should be some kind of metric that you can look at because there's a lot of, say, cultural phenomenons that when they're initially released, don't really get a lot of buzz. But then all of a sudden, out of the nowhere, seemingly a cult following emerges and everyone... Right. Hocus Pocus, I think, is a great example of this. Rocky Horror so, Picture Show would be another it's one. It's another great example. Yeah. So it's important to have this metric, but it's important to, for it to be a separate, distinct metric. I mean, in, in terms of comparison, too, like if you want to go down that road, do you know adjusted for inflation? Do you know what the highest grossing movie I think still is? Ever? Isn't it Gone with the Wind still? It's gone, it's gone with the Wind, which like, have you guys, I'm, I'm going to redirect my ranting somewhere else now. Have you guys ever tried to watch Gone with the Wind? Absolutely not. As much as like, I feel like as a, I'm not going to call myself a film or movie expert, but like. I like to watch movies and I feel like as a film enthusiast, I probably should have, but man, it just seems a little dry. See, I do, for better or for worse, I do consider myself a film enthusiast. I tried very hard with, with Gone with the Wind. Do you know how long Gone with the Wind is? It's like three plus hours, right? I believe it's four hours. It's it's Snyder Cut. Oof. It might even be more longer than four hours. And there is a halfway point. I rented it from the library a few, a few years back and there is literally a halfway point where they just play an intermission card for like five minutes. Cause you know, I think movies used to do that. Like certainly it's to, to make it feel like an old timey show, but I took that opportunity. And I was like, this is my off ramp. This has not been enjoyable. It's been two hours that I wish I could get back. I'm going to get back the other two. And that's, but just for inflation, the highest grossing movie of all time, it probably was also a cultural phenomenon for all I know. And you know, maybe people will look back on avatar in 50 years and say, what the heck? But I'm already saying it. 
I don't know. I mean, I'm sure people will look at Endgame when they're... Endgame had buildup. No, but like, I'm, I'm even talking in terms of the length of that movie. In like 50 oh, years, people yeah. are going to go back and it's probably going to look kitschy because special effects or whatever is going to blow whatever we have today out of the water. We're going to be can feeling even imagine that. in 50 yeah. years. Yeah. They're going to go back and watch it and they're going to get like halfway through and be like, oh my God, I have to go to the bathroom. Like, yeah. I can't do this anymore. And they're going to be saying the same thing that we're saying about Gone with the Wind. My, my <laughs> girlfriend, incidentally, not not the girlfriend that from the other story, my current girlfriend, she has a pretty strict, she rarely breaks. It's like a she won't watch a movie that's longer than two hours. And in as much as I feel like she's probably missing out on a lot of good movies as a result, I respect the hell out of that rule. Then she will never watch the movie that I'm going to talk about later in our What Are You Up To? Is it Gone with the Wind? <laughs> no. That'd be, wow, what a twist that would be. Guys, Avatar is being re-released. I, I believe it's currently being re-released in China, but I'm sure they have a rollout planned for the good old US of A. So be on the lookout for that if you're an Avatar stan. We're not, it seems like. But hey, if you are a big Avatar fan and you want to take us to task, we encourage you to do so. We're on Twitter, at OWLady6, at OWNerdBomber, at OWTechnic, and our main show account, at OnlineWarriors1. Talk to us about Avatar. Talk to us about Gone with the Wind. Talk to us about, have you ever tried to set up two friends to go on a double date and it hasn't worked because it never does? Ask us about that or talk to us about that. Tell us your story. We love to hear it. Uh, Let's move away from Avatar before I blow a gasket and let's instead talk about NFTs. So if you have been around uh, in the past couple of weeks in particular, they've, they've been on vaguely on the social radar for a while, but they're past couple weeks they've really been just out and about nfts first of all let me tell you what it stands for let me hope i pronounce this correctly non-fungible token is that how you guys would pronounce it yeah i think so certainly not non-fungible it's <laughs> worse there's no fungus among us i was gonna correct you and say fungible so let me let me just give you some some recent headlines regarding non-fungible tokens elon musk he's, he's either making and i'm not reading these by the way I'm, these are coming from my memory He's either making or he already has made an NFT that is a techno song about NFTs, and he's going to sell that. Logan Paul made an NFT and sold it for like $20,000. I know Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, has been getting into NFTs lately. So what NFTs are? What are NFTs? These are, in a sense, akin to cryptocurrencies, things like Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera. These are things that people can buy. It's kind of like art collecting. You buy them at auction, apparently. And typically they are works of art, which is a very broad term. And you buy them, but you don't buy their digital quantities, right? So you buy the the original copy of them, but they can be copied. But you're the only one who has the original copy. And the original copy is, very, is like a blockchain-y thing like any other cryptocurrency. But I want to talk about this. I, I was the one who put this topic on the block because it's ridiculous. To me, reading about this, reading about... Someone buying uh, NFT of Neon Cat for however much. We're talking, these things are being sold for millions of dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is rich people at their absolute worst. Is that a fair, am I yeah, wrong that's fair. in so this, saying that? This is rich people getting into the cryptocurrency market. And, and in my opinion, what's interesting about this is, you know, circling back to say Bitcoin, right? It became... You farm servers, you get Bitcoin. That, that, that was, you did a service, you earned cash from that service. So now this is really broadening the types of services and things you can do to earn 
some kind of crypto value per se. And I think it's interesting. And it's I don't I don't want to say it's the the rich playing their hand because there was Taco Bell ones that I think sold for like twenty bucks a pop and then they got sold again for, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars because of their limited quantities. Right. They're like commodities, right? Like what but I don't understand. It feels a lot like trading cards, in my opinion. But the the difference with this is like say I bought an NFT GIF, I guess. I don't even know. I I guess you can get NFT GIFs if I understand it correctly. And what stops someone else from just making a lookalike GIF? What did I buy? What did I really get? Like It's funny you mentioned trading cards, by the way. Logan Paul sold NFTs of a Logan Paul Pokemon card. And like, Which, that's who's cool, buying? But like, <laughs> also, you can just take a screenshot of it. And I, I just, I don't understand the value in it and this might be my old person speaking but i don't i don't see the commodity because it's so easily replicated it's also subjectively valued so like going back i think bitcoin's a great example bitcoin it has a place globally in the global economy these kind of things their value can very quickly turn and and become sort of arbitrary it's it's supply and demand kind of thing well it's like Um, another corollary i'll draw it's like a rare book or like a book autographed by an author right there's yeah but even authors like like, does anyone really care after you know five years about that author is someone going to be sitting on something where this person's irrelevant and no one cares anymore or like a lot of these are like meme kind of nfts and the person as we've seen i mean people do a lot of stupid things and they get canceled pretty easily so now you just bought like a five million dollar nft from some youtuber that you really liked and he says something stupid or gets arrested for something and then suddenly the value of that tanks and what do you have to show for it what's interesting about this is the timing of it all right we just saw a huge jump in 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 other cryptocurrency values and and it's got a lot of media attention and so now it's like everyone's you know scrambling to try to get in on any kind of crypto anything to make a quick buck and it this seems like it's going to bite a lot of people in the behind i'm going to read some more of these off because they're fascinating some more examples you know dead mouse mm-hmm. he sold some digital animated stickers this one's interesting william shatner has sold william shatner themed trading cards Apparently, trading cards are a common NFT. It's funny that you mentioned that before. Nike has patented a method to verify sneakers' authenticity using an NFT system, which it calls CryptoKicks. So, I mean, that's kind of neat because that can like that. That's a real world application for it. Well, it's it, it's it's it, this valuation is interesting. It's like I I still think the the book example is good. I think a first edition of something is worth more than a you know second second or third edition. And it's worth even more than that if it's autographed by... I mean, I know you said people might not care about authors. Yeah, it's it's all subjective. It's all relative. But so here's... I have one word for you, and I think it's a hyphen. So I'm going to say it's one word. No, it's two words. I have two words for you. Beanie Babies. I've got so many first edition yeah. Beanie Babies. You know how much That's they're worth? That's a good example. Well... Not that you're much. Not, you're not going to hit every time. But it, it's like art collecting too, right? I mean, it, it, it is art collecting. It's just digital art collecting. I mean, look at original... You know, the original Da Vinci. Look at the Mona Lisa, like the most valuable painting in the world. You can get a, a poster of Mona of the Mona Lisa, and it's, you know, nominally the same exact thing. But is it worth as, as much? Certainly not. I still think it's ridiculous. Uh, I I want to be clear. I still think it makes no sense. It's capitalism as at its worst in a sense. But maybe I just haven't seen the right one 
that I would want to have yet. The right one you wouldn't just want to screenshot. The right one you would want to spend money on. So, and, and this is interesting. Let, let's, let's go around the table. Clearly, it can be anything. Okay. What non-fungible token would you buy? And for how much? Because I'll tell you right now, mine's Nicolas Cage related. I don't even know what it would be. It would be an autographed picture. No, it can't just be an autographed picture of him. That's boring. It would be a copy of one of his movies, but on every frame, his autograph is on it. And I would, I would pay, I mean, I'd pay some money for it. I don't know how much. A lot. There's one thing in particular for me. Do you remember the original Jurassic Park and the, and the one scientist that was like, clever girl. And then there was that meme that was made with the raptor with clever girl. You want the original? I want the original meme art for clever girl signed by that actor. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think I would want, and I don't even know what movie offhand, but I would want like the first digital cut of a movie. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's interesting. Tactic and I both gravitated towards something that was autographed, which if anything, I feel like that's, I want to, I almost immediately want to go back on that because that things that are autographed, you can get in print. It, it doesn't feel like it's taking enough advantage of the digital format. But this is, I don't know if this is a trend that's going to stick. Well, I think there has to be something, a way to display your collection. And I don't know if anything like this exists. I probably should have researched this before coming on the show and talking about it. But like, it's hard if you to research. Had, it's such an ephemeral concept. If you had like an NFT passport, you know, if there's like one app to rule them all where you can show your NFT collection off, you know, because everything is right. digital and like you could look at other people's NFT collection and maybe trade things or buy PlayStation VR. You go look at people's galleries. Is yeah, it, I mean, like is some it, sort yeah. of gallery. I, I remember, and this might date me, but like back in the GeoCities days and the Express Pages days, I don't know if you guys dabbled in fan page stuff. Well, I was thinking about MySpace. That too. Um, in but a similar like, vein, yeah. There were like little, There, I don't know, remember what you had to do to get them, but like you would swap trading card badges with other websites if you had a fan page or something. So like I was a nerd and I had a Digimon fan page and like we would swap like little cards. There was like a little template thing and all of the, the websites and the nerd circles would make them and you would swap with each other and display them proudly on your website. But like if you had some sort of app, someone needs to make a, a gallery for NFTs. And I feel like that would drive value as well because that it's not just this thing that you own that's sitting in your computer or on your phone somewhere. You know what I mean? Like you could display it somehow. Well, the, que- the question is to what extent will they become or could they become a form of self-expression? Because to me, what you're describing is a new form of social media where, you know, you could go, you could log into this app and, and you could, I could see, oh, Nerd Bomber just bought a new NFT and it's, it's the entire first episode of Digimon, like uncut or something. Or like it's all the drawings from the first episode of Digimon, you know, something like that. And I could be like, wow, that's so, and you could, you could look at people's galleries and say, wow, I didn't know I had this much in common with this person because I really, I really like all of the NFTs that they have. Like, I don't know to what extent it's, it's supposed to be that, or it's supposed to be this thing where these are all very rare commodities where the, where the barrier to entry to become like a collector of NFTs is, is absurdly high. And basically it's just rich people holding up paddles in a, a castle made of marble and buying these things. And it's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to that. I certainly think the first way is more interesting, but right now that's not what it is. At least I don't think that's what it is. Uh, maybe at best it's a mix of the two things. But So I will say, I just did a quick Google and apparently Patrick Mahomes just launched his own NFT art gallery and there are art gallery type websites. So these things do exist. I don't think they're just mainstream yet. Well, I, I have a feeling. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. 
I have a feeling we're going to be revisiting this topic, whether it whether it does what Tactic says it'll do and wipes out a bunch of people's bank accounts, or whether it becomes more of this social media e thing where people maintain galleries or or some, somewhere in between. What I can say for now is that I, I only barely get it, and I still think it's a little ridiculous. But hey, y- you know what is it these days? And you know this is a great time to announce we are going to be coming out with our own NFT. Details, this is a, this is a joke. It's a complete lie. <laughs> we clearly we don't know anything about them. How could we come out with one? If we did come out with one, it would be I don't know the lost episodes or something. We'd figure it out. We have a lot of stuff in the can. We'll get back to you. For now, we would like to thank our Patreon producers Ben Jackness, Stephen Keller. Here's to you guys. As always, producer shout out in this episode. As you get with every episode being night subscribers. So Stephen and Ben are night subscribers. They get this producer shout out as well as input into our weekly game segment, which this week will be hosted by our very own Technic. They also, of course, get access to the monthly secret segment and the vlog. If you aren't as cool as Ben and Stephen, look, it's okay. There's always a Squire level for you to take advantage of, uh, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And then there's, of course, the page, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. And these are all tiers of support available on our Patreon page which can be found at patreon.com slash online warriors podcast head there for more of the details. Thanks to Ben and Steven. We will be back after a word from our sponsors to talk about Tinder. Today's episode is presented by Clark's Clark's story began almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. At the time, it was groundbreaking, a combination of invention and craftsmanship that's remained at the heart of what Clark's does. From the very beginning, Clark's has always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what set Clark's apart, and we are teaming up with Clark's and Podgo to bring you up to 30% off on select items, including on the iconic Clark's Desert Boot, by going to podgo.co slash Clark's. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash Clark's. Thanks again to Clark's for sponsoring this episode, and now, back to the podcast. Okay, welcome back. Let's talk about Tinder. Because look, we're members of the 21st century here at Online Warriors. We've we've used Tinder before. Some of us more than others, I, su- I suspect. Fun fact, before we get into the, the nitty gritty, your very own Lady Lady 6 never went on a Tinder date. Not one time. I don't know if either of you ever did. No, we were too old. I just used right. it to test out my jokes. I'd open one of the jokes, see if they laughed, then I'd stop talking to them. Yeah, we had we went through a phase, and this is probably weird. I don't know if any other couples out there did that, but when Tinder was like a new thing, right, and everyone was talking about it, and we sat down on the couch with each other, and we're like, let's do this. My like, go-to was, what do you call a pile of kittens? A mountain. <laughs> like, we just wanted to see what it was about, and right. probably piss a lot of people off, because we just did it, stupid jokes and stuff. I and then you guys laugh. I said, a mountain. <laughs> you meant to hit the... <laughs> did I, though? There, there's also possibly, and uh, I don't want to psychoanalyze either of you. It's not my goal here. But I will say, I think there was a, a part of me when I was using Tinder. When I was using Tinder, I was single. It was, it was different than what you guys are describing. I only used it for a very brief period of time before I met my girlfriend. But I will say, it is like a game. Okay. It is. And it, not only is it like a game, but I remember thinking that it's very easy to, for better or for worse, assess your self-worth using tinder meaning you can carefully craft this profile that has your your photos that show your good side etc etc you put up witty thing in the bio blah 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 you think you're great and 
the number of matches you get or the quality of matches you get can directly for me at least it directly affected like okay i am i am a catch or i am not a catch in any given week how many matches i got things like that see Um, the key is puppies no matter who you're trying to catch no matter what you specifically are if you have puppies in your pictures you don't even need to bother with the opposite sex well no just have your puppies well (laughs) that too but everybody loves puppies and people who don't love puppies you don't want to mess with anyway uh it's a very important public service announcement but that so that was my experience that was that was our collective experience i guess but a common thing on tinder uh of course unfortunately is you match with a person and you just you want to know more about them and perhaps more than they'd be willing to tell you and so that's what the news of today is is tied into so tinder by the way is owned by a conglomerate match group which i believe i mean match.com okcupid hinge all of these fall under the purview of the match group uh, and they they have very recently uh, invested in what is called garbo i assume named for greta garbo but i don't actually know this is a non-profit female founded background check platform so the news here essentially is that Tinder will be adding this capability, allowing users to access a background check database. Now, I truthfully don't know exactly what information they will have, but what I do know about Garbo's existing platform is that they uh, provide information such as arrests, convictions, restraining orders, harassment, violent crimes. Of course, the things you would most likely want to know about if you're wanting to check into a person that you met on Tinder. And this can only be a good thing. I I mean, it's, it's, I don't think this is much of a discussion of like, ah, this is good, this is bad. It's a very good thing. I, you know, I have been lucky enough to not have experienced direct harassment on Tinder or any of the. I, mean, I also was on Bumble. I was on. I was on. An, I was on a, an app called Coffee Meet. Were you on Bumble you to make friends? I was not, but I actually know a couple of people who have done that, and to some success, I should add. I was on Bumble in a romantic capacity, and I will say, of the three, and not to digress, Bumble was the best one. I thought Coffee Meets Bagel made no sense. <laughs> Tinder was good, but there were a lot of robots. I, I'm interested. That's one thing I wanted to mention here, too. I'm interested. This background check thing, I doubt it will have any effect on how many robots there are on Tinder, but I would think they would find a way to iron that out. The last time I was on Tinder, it was basically being overrun by Skynet, and that seems like it would be a detriment. But So I case, have, I have yeah. some good opinions and some selectively contrarian opinions just for the sake of being devil's advocate. So first Go of all, it. I personally... I think this is probably a good thing because, I mean, A, like you said, it'll make sure people are actually real people and you're not getting catfished. You know, I think that that's one of the big things, even if you're not ruling people out because they're some kind of like criminal, like, you know, there's a background check. So, you know, that the person you're meeting is not a slew of pictures they just Googled. You know what I mean? So maybe catfishing rate will go down. I don't know if that's a guarantee. I, I don't it's I don't I don't think it's necessarily clear yet to what extent this will be integrated. I would love for it to be that. And I hope it is that. I would assume they have that kind of capability. But the other thing I'm wondering is, you know how like you'll you'll be like swiping on twi- on Tinder and first I mean they don't give like first and last names on Tinder, I don't think. Do they give first and last initial? Uh I thought it was just first name, but I don't first. really know. But then you see someone who is clearly using a name that's not real, right? Pasta or something. I don't know. So, someone I just insulted someone whose real name was Pasta. But I, I could think of a better example, but I can't off the top of my head. There are people who try to make Tinders with non-spurious like information. Is that going to be ironed out in addition to creepy stuff? I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think from that aspect, I think that's a good thing. 
I think then that also then lends itself to like, what if you just want to look around? You don't want to have all of your personal information out there. Is there going to be a way to disable this? Because that's, I mean, if you're going on a dating app, you never know. Just because people make stupid mistakes in their childhood or whatever, and they might have a record, like, should that discredit them from being able to find a date in the future? And like, also, how much information and how is that information going to be handled if Tinder is collecting all of this background data to give to people i think that you should it should be transparent on the full thing because ultimately if i'm scrolling through and it's like petty thief and then i and i click it and get more information and it's like oh they stole a candy bar when they were you know 16 i'd be like oh well this just they're not going to give you that much information. yeah they're not going to give you that much information but or at least the crime in the year like i'm sure people can connect the dots there's obviously like they're going to see thief they're going to see the age they're going to go oh Whatever. Well, the, the, the human element will still be involved without a doubt. But let me, let me, Nurbar, let me pitch you a scenario because I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I, you know, it's important that people have some opportunity to grow beyond things they've done in the past. I completely agree with that. Let me pitch you an example, though. There is a person who, okay, let's say I'm on Tinder and I'm swiping around and I match with someone and they have this background check feature available and I click it and it shows that let's say 20 years ago just a a random number let's say 20 years ago they were arrested or convicted for some kind of sex related crime whether it's sexual abuse or what have you there are certainly scenarios in which a person may see that and see the see the the time that's gone by and think this person deserves a chance but let's say i'm a victim of sexual abuse i would guess then that that disqualifies this person and it's good that i know about it so oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's, it's, just, I, I, it's more it's shades of gray. Yeah, it. I, well, I think it's. I think it's shades of gray, and I. I think it's a, the sort of thing where giving people the option is an important thing. The question then becomes how the user base uses that information. And Plus, if you suck at small talk, it's a great conversation starter. You just slap <laughs> the paperwork on the on the table at the dinner, and you go. So, what was this about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting what you brought up too, Nerd Bomber, about. I think there are probably a lot of people. I mean, look, I made a I made a TikTok. I I didn't even make a TikTok. I made an account on TikTok. No, I didn't even do that. I downloaded the app, and they told me to make an account, and I said no, because I was hoping I'd just be able to flip through the videos. I I don't think Tinder should go that far necessarily, but it should be the sort of thing where it it allows you these sort of checkpoints where if you match with someone it will tell you this person does not have a background check registered with us or something and at that point that decision point you can decide whether or not you're going to give this person the time of day and some people will and some people won't depending on what they're looking for it still has to come down to that human element and that choice but the question i think becomes then how do people use this information and that's unclear and, and a recent example by the way you know to give more color to this garbo recently announced that it was excluding drug possession charges from its platform so they in, in a sense garbo itself is kind of an arbiter of some of these decisions right where they can decide okay that shouldn't be relevant in people making romantic decisions whether or not they're true about that people might take issue one way or the other but well i think i think there's the potential that what if an employer sees it and things like that? And it can become kind of a sticky situation. With- it's like social media, but but supercharged in that sense. Yeah. yeah. it's. I, I think it's on the whole good that this information is being communicated and there's an active effort going on to get it out there in, in places like Tinder where people are potentially making themselves very vulnerable. It's a good platform for that. But it, do, it does, you're, you're certainly right. It raises 
certain questions and you know this information all being somewhere too of course raises that you have to think about hacking and stuff it's terrible people data security yeah data security you know people go on tinder to try and find a boyfriend or girlfriend and they wind up losing their identity i would i would hope that it's being carefully done in such a way that the, the risk of that is very low but it's interesting and, and you know a, a question that it begs is this is this is being implemented on tinder are there other places? I mean, not and not, not just other dating apps like Bumble, as I already mentioned, but like something that's mentioned at the end of this article I have is, is like Uber or Lyft. Would If you were an Uber driver, would you want to know the person that you're picking up if they have a record or not? Should you be allowed to know that? Is it an, a, an interesting societal question, I think? It's one of those things that w- it's interesting to look at from the perspective of how our future looks and how much data is out there about us. And like we we already know anyone who has a social media profile, anyone who has credit in any capacity, like all of your information right. is out there. It's just how much that information governs the way that we live and function in society. And I think it's a really interesting thought experiment because then it really does become, oh, I can't take an Uber because once upon a time I did such and such. And this might have been 20 years ago, but no Uber will accept me now no one will date me because of this and it's just it feels does that become a deterrent for for criminals in any meaningful way and like it could but again a chance even like if you're a teenager technically you could be tried as an adult in some cases and let's be real kids can be kind of stupid sometimes so it, it becomes it's a very interesting thought experiment and i think in some ways it's very good because I would feel more comfortable going on a date with someone who I know has no history of like violence or anything like that. You know what I mean? Or as an Uber driver, you would feel safer. But on the other hand, if you're that person who did something dumb 30 years ago and you'll never be able to wipe it clean and it's always just there, that kind of sucks. So yeah, there's risk of it being discriminatory and and it's, I don't know. It's an interesting world we live in, man. Not to pivot completely, but one other weird thing that I didn't know until I was reading articles about this whole thing is that the Match Group owns so many dating apps. Yeah. They own Match, they own Hinge, Hinge they own Tinder. Yeah. There was one other one that okay, they own. Cupid. Yeah, there are so many dating apps that they own. I can't even imagine the type of data that they have on people. And I it feel like I'm, I'm going really like into the the data security weeds on this topic, but... They must have a shocking amount of data on people. That's important. And it's and it's it's valuable, you know? I'm sure they see that owning all of that data as a business opportunity, and I'm sure it is. But I you know, I think with the with safety in mind and, and keeping that keeping the use of Tinder in people's best interest from a safety standpoint, you know, Garbo is certainly doing a good thing. This partnership is a good idea uh, at at that level of face value. So at this point, I, I do think what happens will be a bit of an experiment. It's, it's certainly an experimental thing. I think it's one for, for the better. Uh, we'll see what's learned from it. But yeah, let us know what, how you feel about this. You, you heard about our Twitters. Uh, I won't say them again, but we're over there. Let's chat about what we've been up to. And I Nerd Bomber, you teased the movie before. Let's hear about it. All right. So we watched, and I still have my Apple TV Plus subscription that I got you with my Cherry? Last iPhone. I did. We watched Cherry. Was it good? So this is a movie, it actually, it's been getting a lot of mixed reviews. And I thought it was good, really want in to watch my this. opinion. So essentially, if you guys are not familiar with the premise of this movie, the guy who wrote the book that this movie was based off of, it's kind of like semi-autobiographical. It's not totally steeped in real life, but essentially it follows a young man who decides 
after a breakup that he wants to go, like he signs up for the military, he ends up going and serving in, I believe it was Iraq. And then he comes back and he's super messed up, has a bunch of PTSD issues and becomes a bank robber. And I'm not telling you anything that you didn't see in the trailer. I made sure to make sure that all of that stuff was in the trailer. And it's kind of like a, there's so many different aspects of this movie. And I can see where people didn't like parts of it because it does start out very slow. And Tom Holland breaks the fourth wall in the beginning of the movie a lot. And then that kind of phases away a little bit more. And everything is told in chapters. And I will say the movie didn't really pick up a lot until the chapter when he signs up for the military. And so that first probably like half hour or so, because this movie is like two and a half hours, I think. The first half hour feels a little slow. It really does. But... I would say overall, the story is worth watching. It becomes very uncomfortable at times. If you are triggered by any sort of war, death, drug use, anything like this, I feel like you want to steer clear of this movie for sure, because it really, it's not a fun movie by any means. It's very depressing, very real at times. It's just very in your face, like this is all the bad stuff that's happening, and It's a story that I feel is important to be told. There are some follies, I think, in terms of pacing, some things that could probably have been cut out of the movie to make it feel a little bit more tight and cohesive. But overall, I really liked it. I was reading some reviews where people didn't like it. 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like very low. It got critically panned, but there's something about this movie that I didn't enjoy watching it by any means. But the acting was incredible. I got to give Tom Holland props the range of emotions that he was able to display and how different this is from his other roles in Spider-Man, I thought was pretty impressive that he was able to completely transform and turn into this other character that's so emotionally bogged down by so many things. There are times when he's able to pull off like a funny one-liner, but does it in such a way where it's still sad, if that makes sense. Right. Overall, like the acting performances of essentially the two main characters in this movie were really hands down, very skillful. And I think they were able to, as someone who's not gone through any of those experiences, I think they portrayed the pain of the experiences very, very well. It's a tough movie to watch. I understand why people didn't like it. It was very long. Like there was a time when it, I think we got about two hours in and we had to take a break and go to the bathroom and take the dog out. And we were just like, oh, there's a half hour more of this. Like this movie is such a downer. I don't know if I can do a half hour of this, but. 74% audience score. This is a very. It's a very divisive movie for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting review layout here. I'm, I'm still planning to check it out. I would say it is definitely worth checking out. It's not fun, though. It's definitely not a fun movie to watch. You have to make sure you're in the right headspace. Tactic, what did, what did you think of the movie? I thought it was good. I mean, it's tough to not watch it and go, why are you doing this? But like at the same time, I kind of get the headspace where he was coming from and what they were trying to portray, where you're kind of entangled with your own emotions and you just need an escape. And that kind of puts them down a path. So I, th- I thought overall... I think seventy five percent is a is a fair rating. I I'd say I'd say check it out. I, I wouldn't say you know rave review. You got it. You got to see it. But I'd say definitely check it out. I think it's a it's a decent movie if you got nothing else to watch. And I feel like it was one of those movies. And I don't know if you experienced this tactic, but it kind of stuck with me for the rest of the night after we finished watching it. Like 
he just thought about everything that the characters went through and then researched the fact that it was obviously based on a real person. And I feel like it was from the issues that were addressed in the movie. I think it was very important. But yeah, definitely not fun. <laughs> Duly noted. Anything else or is it Tactic's turn? I think it's Tactic's turn. So I have kind of a interesting What Are You Up To Wednesday that I really want to talk about. And uh, it's probably hitting everyone similarly. We are encroaching on springtime and I got bit by the spring cleaning bug. I spent like a solid chunk of my weekend just jamming out to to good vibes music and uh, scrubbing all sorts of, you know, bathroom countertops, kitchen countertops. I scrubbed the stove. I didn't I didn't mean cleaning specifics. I meant music. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's very. Thank you for that. Tell, Tell me what you scrubbed. All sorts of good stuff. Goodness gracious, I'd, I'd have to look it up, but... Sackboy, a big adventure soundtrack. Yeah, that's kind of where, that's where, where it spiraled oh, from, man. but a lot more of the uh, the chill vibe songs and a lot less of the Bruno Mars type songs. Like lo-fi? Um, lo-fi, indie, like it, indie The, the radio like station was called Ra Radio. There's a, a band called Peppa King that makes the okay. song Ra, and, it, and it's, it, it's that kind of vibe. And you just... you you. You rod and cleaned. I rod and cleaned, and and honestly, very very enjoyable. Ten out of ten recommend. It's it was it was almost therapeutic. Yeah, I'm 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 due for that here. Not not that I mean my place isn't a mess necessarily, but spring cleaning could happen. Let me let me leave it at that. I have not been spring cleaning here. I have a couple things. Tactic. To, I don't want to step on your toes. Are you you set? I'm set. I want to shout out a show that's actually on Netflix. That is it's quite old. I think it came out in like 2018, maybe even 2017. It's been out for a while. It's on FX. It got moved to Netflix. Guys, I'm a football fan. Granted, this is that's not why I chose to watch this necessarily. I thought I knew everything there was to know about the OJ case. I, I did not. Uh, the American, American Crime Story, OJ Simpson, whatever it's called. That's not exactly what it's called, but the American Crime Story that's about OJ Simpson. The Trial of OJ Simpson, I think is what it's called. This was fantastic. 10 episodes, limited series kind of thing. Uh, my girlfriend and I binged it in less than a week. And uh, you don't know everything. Let me put it that way. You think you do, but you don't. Extremely powerfully acted. David Schwimmer, which is, you know, he's known as being Ross on Friends. Not really known as a dramatic actor. He was fantastic. Cuba Gooding Jr. as OJ himself. John Travolta, uh, Sarah Paulson. I could name many others. Seems like a fun project to work on in the sense, in spite of the fact that it's, of course, about a grisly double murder. Big fan of that. Couldn't recommend it more. Go check it out on Netflix. Other than that, two other things I want to briefly mention. One, I started reading a new book later by Stephen King. Shout out to the Dairy Public Radio. I did a guest spot on there a little while back. Stephen, fellow Stephen King fans. Uh, later just came out in early March. Uh, my girlfriend pre-ordered it for me for Christmas. Got that in. It's a hard case crime book, which means it's kind of more noir than Stephen King's usual stuff. But that's a nice change of pace. I like it a lot. It's also not as weighty as his other books are. I'm already like halfway through it, which I think is kind of nice. It's a good kind of get me into my 2021 reading really enjoying it so far. So I will update next week on that. And then the other thing I want to briefly mention, I bought a typewriter on Facebook Marketplace that I'm going to like try to restore as like a, a project, like a thing to just do, you know? We all need pandemic things to do. Fun times. Planning on doing that. Um, so you're going to write the next great novel on that thing. I would, Put Stephen King to shame. It's funny because like, I really was excited. I got this thing for $20. It's a 1950s Smith Corona. It's like, it's like, aqua blue it's it's a beautiful machine i would never try and write it i can't imagine writing a book on that or i can't i mean I, first of all i can't even imagine writing a book on a computer but a typewriter oh god 
Like, I, I like it for its artistry. I, I'm sure I will use it for something, typing letters or something maybe, but I would never type a full book on it. As cool as I think that would be, and I like the noise it makes, but I think it just could be a fun kind of restoration project. It'll be a if you write a letter, you have to, when you mail it, you have to stamp it with a wax seal. I was just going to say, I want to get one of the wax seals. That's, I'm going to get, I'm going to pair that with it. And I'm going to write the fanciest ass letters you've ever seen. So get ready for that, I suppose. I'll send you guys a letter. That's it for me. And now I think we're... Dearest friends. We're into a tactic quiz territory. Take, right. take us away. So the quiz topic is Rob Lowe. Happy birthday, Rob Lowe. This quiz is for you. Big Rob Lowe fan. Watch Parks and Rec just, just this evening, actually. The man is one of those non-aging entities. So for better or worse, we are starting with the how old is he question. <sighs> Who's first? I can go first. I'm going to say he's 55. It's a very good guess. Uh, astute, even. Quite, quite. I have to go lower than that. I don't think he's that old. I'm going to go 45. I would say it was quite the astute of guesses, indeed. He is 56. Oh, yeah. What the crap? So I remember when we watched Parks and Rec last, I looked up his age. Because I remember being astounded that he wasn't younger. So with that said, at what age did he start acting? He was tiny. It's a trick question. He was in like the Lost Boys, I think. Or what's the other one that's not the Lost Boys? I'll, I'll know it when I hear it. Uh, I'm going I'm to say he was eight years old. I'm going to say he did like commercials and stuff and he was three. So Illegal gets it. He was 15 years old. He was in the ABC short-lived sitcom called A New Kind of Family. I've never heard of that. What is the movie? Is it The Lost Boys, the one that he was in? I can't tell you. It'll blow. <laughs> get up another thing. So with that, since he's had such a prosperous career, what is his net worth? Oh, boy. Oh, gosh. Glad I'm not first on this one. I'm going to say he's probably worth $100 million. That might be too high, but that's I don't way, know. That's way too much. Two. $2 million. So Rob Lowe amassed his fortune in not just acting but he got a lot of it and also side hustles like writing books and being spokespersons and endorsing products and things he like that books yeah and he is worth a hundred million on the nose oh my what the Look crap go cheating collusion okay next question rob Lowe is actually one of many siblings how many seven is he one of so seven. including him because i phrased that weird seven I'm going to say he's got a big fam. He's got 10. So you both busted. I was trying to lead you astray. There's four total. That's Come on. Big family. Big Come family. On. You when you say big, I'm Consisted thinking like... Consisted of Chad Lowe, Justin Lowe, Rob Lowe, and Micaiah Dreyer. When you say big family, I'm expecting like... I don't even know. That's six what is that giant family on TLC who has John like... and Kate plus eight? Yeah, but like more even a dozen kids and counting that's not what it's called what's it called something kids and counting all right so this is the last question and i'm down by one right so i gotta nail this he's well known for his breakout role in the outsiders that's the one <laughs> yep. stay golden pony boy when did that movie come out Ooh, i'm first right 1984 i feel like this was a 70s movie I'm going to say 1972. This is really sad. Was it 83? Illegal, you busted. 
It was 1983. <laughs> Stupid game. God. <laughs> Not staying golden, Pony Boy. Not I accept defeat. Golden. This game's stupid, but I'm also pretty stupid, so the result checks out. Uh, well, you'll the, get them next time. Let's check the big board here. If I can scroll down. Okay. Nerd Bomber moves to four and one. Quiz Queen, continue. Whoop, whoop. I am at three and two, and Technic is at two and three, so it's for last place. It's, I would say it's a dead heat, and Technic and I will be competing. Technic going to be trying to get us knotted up at, at three and three next week. That's going to be exciting. We'll see what happens with that. I'm going to be, of course, studying furiously for the next week, every topic I can. I feel like we need to have one of those graphics. You know how every time there's like a big MMA fight, it's got like the two guys showing off and looking angry. I feel like that's what we need for next week's yeah. trivia. Like, no, I think it's like, an animated chart with our faces at the top of it. Vaguely like holding up our fists at each other. No, just yeah. like a blow up of our faces, just like making goofy faces. We'll put the graphic design department on it that we don't have, and uh, we'll see what comes down the pipe. In the meantime, we want to thank you all for listening and joining us for another fantastic episode of the Online Warriors podcast. If you liked what you heard, or even if you didn't, you can head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there. You can hit us up on Twitter, as I already mentioned, and you can tell your friends, tell your pets, tell your imaginary friends. Look, they might listen. If Just because they're imaginary doesn't mean they can't listen. What was the imaginary friend in Inside Out? Bing Bong. Tell your Bing Bong. Great. (laughs) (laughs) I I take that back. That sounded weird. (laughs) Tell tell literally anyone else but your Bing Bong. I would appreciate it if you didn't. But we will be here next week to talk to you and, and, and yours. And until then, stay sweet. In the not too distant future... Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there is not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. Rate, review, and subscribe to our weekly comic book reviews on all the major podcasting platforms at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com.